say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned you win. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who wet. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from scenic, lovely, beautiful, uh, pretty dadgum hot, historic Roan County, Tennessee. And glad to have you here with me, as always. Uh, thank you so very much for joining me. I do appreciate it. And uh, for those of you that are listening to Terrestrial Radio, you'll be hearing the rebroadcast. You'll be hearing this first hour tomorrow. So for your benefit, I would like to let you know that the time of the live broadcast happened on June 14th of 2022. Yes, that means it is indeed Flag Day. So given that it is Flag Day at the time I'm saying this, I hope those of you that are listening tomorrow which is World uh, Elder Abuse Awareness Day, according to Joe Biden. Not sure if he realizes he doesn't get to decree a World uh, Acknowledgement Day. And I'm not at all certain, based on how he spoke about it, that he's aware that he's not actually the one creating it. It's been around since, uh, but well, since a while now. Anyway... Hope that you will indulge me this small bit of, well, tribute, I suppose, to Flag Day. Because on this Flag Day, I would like for all of us to remember. Remember that the flag is a symbol. It's a blend of colors and images representing the majesty 
of the American Republic and of the freedom that it represents. Let us remember that we can love an imperfect nation, that our flag represents a nation that is forever striving, forever yearning to achieve that perfection of individual liberty. And let us also remember that the spirit of America is not found on fabric, but it is found on the souls of its citizens. That's you and me, folks. Also, while we're on the subject of my thoughts and feelings, uh, let me visit something else real quick, too. See, once again, I was bombarded with this idea that science is supportive of the Biden-Harris administration when it comes to their gender-affirming treatments. You know, the chemical castrations and the surgical mutilations of now young teenage bodies in a quest to, uh, to achieve some part of the liberal agenda that doesn't make much sense outside of the fact that they don't want us commoners procreating, I suppose. And it's not a new thought. It's something that I and many other people have been expressing, but uh, it just – during the point of this conversation, it struck me that it was necessary to be said again. Because you see, when the political left in this country and around the world for that matter, when, when they're faced with a divisive political argument, well, you know they don't do so well actually arguing and debating and – Offering statistics and facts that in the marketplace of ideas, their arguments very rarely stand up because it's all emotional appeal and no real meat and potatoes when it comes to, to the truth of the matter. It's a big part of the reason why they want to pretend like there's no such thing as objective truth anymore. They want to tell you that uh, of the very notion, the very idea, the very concept of objective truth is somehow white supremacist and patriarchal and, and just designed to get in their way. Now, they have tried using science, however. They've tried abusing scientists. You see, what happens is when they face one of these arguments, they've got a really bad habit of putting on their little uh, white lab coats, and then they go and conduct or pay someone else to conduct very outcome-driven so-called research. Then when they get the results that they wanted from the very specific outcome-driven research, they proclaim that the science has proven them to be correct. And, of course, as long as the science agrees with them, then that's in a, that science is settled. This, of course, was on full display uh, not that long ago uh, during the pandemic lockdowns where we were all told that we must obey these faux scientific orders on masks and social distancing and school closures. Or you and I, if we didn't go along with it, we just wanted people to die. Political abuse of science, it solves nothing and eventually will be proven to be false anyway. The one thing that should be settled in this nation is that science nor the law are ever truly settled, nor should they be. 
See, our nation works best for everyone when we are a nation of laws with a federal government tightly constrained by the U.S. Constitution. And anything else, anything else other than that, if you have an idea, whatever it may be, any other notions, any other ideas, any other philosophies, well, they are un-American. Like it or not, it's just the way it is. All right, that's enough of me opining off of the top of the show. I usually like to leave that kind of stuff till the uh, end of the show. But I'm going to go ahead and sneak it in because I'm afraid with the stories I've got to cover uh, today, the ones that I've selected, handpicked just for you, for us to, to discuss and go over, that I might get carried away and not sneak those in. So I'll put them up front. All right, so here's a story that uh, as soon as I saw it, it jumped to the head of the line, and that was literally just a little bit before airtime. Uh, the Democratic uh, administration of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., uh, breaking news, they're reportedly getting ready to discipline the U.S. Border Patrol agents who were on horseback back when they rode up on these illegal aliens last fall. You remember the ones where they were supposedly whipping the Haitian migrants with their uh, – the rains. Yeah, yeah, that deal. We were promised that. We were promised that there would be consequences, even though they've been cleared of any wrongdoing in the time. Well, anyway, let's get back to the story, and then I will add my two cents. See, this particular bit of news comes after the New York Post reported back in April that the agents had been cleared of criminal wrongdoing, but were still under an administrative review. Bottom line is uh, Joe Biden needs a fall guy and he needs something to help him with his failing ratings. As all the polls continue to drop like a rock around him and uh, he's dragging down the entire party with him, uh, they desperately need a win. And they need to find a way to try and convince all those Hispanics that are leaving the Democratic Party in droves that, hey, guys, look, we're the party for you. See, we're protecting the folks that are crossing the border. Uh, again, Joe, those guys were from Haiti, not Hispanic. In fact, the overwhelming majority of people that cross the border these days illegally uh, are not Hispanic at all. I mean, yeah, we still have a high number of Guatemalans and uh, Hondurans and uh, a few folks from further south, but most of them are coming from Africa and Europe and uh, Arabian countries as well. Middle Eastern, they like to call them now. I'm sure it's probably considered racist to call them Arabian. Uh, everything else is racist. But uh, these guys, they have to be held accountable for something because Joe Biden said they would be, right? Never mind the fact that they did nothing wrong. Now, the Department of Homeland Security's Office of the Inspector General, they had the first crack of this. Uh, and uh, basically what came down here is that they determined that there was no criminal activity that was done, so they closed out the investigation. Uh, they looked at it and said, okay, well, clearly nothing happened here. But late Tuesday, which is today, time of the live broadcast, late Tuesday afternoon, uh, it was released uh, by one of the Fox News correspondents. Uh, he was, of course, on Twitter because that's where journalism happens now. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security was planning to discipline these same agents. 
Uh, quoting from the tweet, per federal source, DHS is preparing to discipline multiple horseback border patrol agents who were accused of whipping Haitian migrants in Del Rio last summer. I'm told DHS will uh, <laughs> will imminently allege administrative violations. Agents will be allowed to respond. So, hey, there is that. They'll get a chance to defend themselves. It's not going to make much of a difference in this particular situation because it's an administrative thing. Uh, Also, according to the reporter at Fox News, per federal source, this announcement is expected to come down any day now. It's unclear what particular administrative violations the Border Patrol agents will be accused of, but they are not being accused of any criminal conduct. The horseback unit involved, of course, is based out of uh, Cazero Springs, Texas. Now, um, it's been nearly nine months since this incident took place. The agents in question, they've been taken off of their normal duties. They've not been allowed to even come in contact with these illegal border-crossing migrants uh, since that event. Not from Haiti, not from Guatemala, not from anywhere. They've not been permitted to go do their regular jobs. Again, barely there, Beijing Biden assured the public at that point in time that, quote, there will be consequences for the agents involved. Uh, That's back, of course, when he and everybody and their grandmother with a D at the end of their name was insisting that these professionals, these law enforcement professionals, which is why the left hates them, it's why the Biden administration hates them, They were insisting that they were, in fact, whipping these Haitians, these people that were illegally trying to cross our border. And they were being run down by horses and whipped with the reins of the horse when really all they were doing was this twirling thing to get their horse to respond to them. don't know if you guys remember it or not, but the guy who took the pictures – the photographer that had the viral pictures that the left mainstream legacy media ran wild with, he said several times on the record uh, that uh, he never saw any Border Patrol agent whip anyone. He said that the guy was swinging the reins, but it can be misconstrued when you're looking at the picture. So he, had, the guy came out and said straight, point blank right out that's not what happened i get that it kind of looks that way from this one angle and this one picture not surprising that that's the one picture that the mainstream legacy media wants to run with but the guy did nothing wrong the guy was doing his job and you see that's the problem as far as the left's concerned they don't think our southern border should have any restrictions on it at all because these are the same people that are either a in on the ultimate agenda and want to destroy the American Republic as she exists, full-blown Cloward and Piven-style destruction from within, or they are just too stupid to understand that they are being used by a group that do know what the agenda is. Here, we're going to tell you these uh, sad, sad stories about how we should just be open to everyone because that's compassion. There's nothing compassionate about uh, letting our nation become 
overrun, overridden, and uh, overburdened. And no, that is not a racist thing to say. It doesn't matter where these people are coming from. I don't care if they're coming from Ireland. I don't care if they're coming from Scotland. Although uh, I tend to think that uh, Scots tend to be pretty damn cool. But it, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. If they're coming here in uncontrolled numbers with the, the purpose of trying to mooch off of the, uh, the backs of the taxpaying citizens here, which a lot of these illegal migrants, wherever they're coming from, they're planning on doing exactly that, getting in on the uh, government dole. You know, yeah, I, I miss the days when it was primarily Mexicans illegally crossing the border because at least when they were the ones doing it, they were coming here to work with the intention of working and working hard. They wanted uh, a part of the dream or they just wanted a part of the money, but they wanted to earn it legitimately. I mean, at least there was a work ethic involved. They weren't planning to come here and mooch. They were planning to come here and contribute in a fashion and get cash and then take our money out of the country. I mean, it's still not a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But it's still a better thing if you're talking about a lesser of two evils scenario. And trust me, we're talking about the lesser of two evils. Uh, One of the stories I'm going to talk to you about today involves... Uh, the reversal of uh, these trends. Once upon a time, Mexicans were the primary folks crossing the the southern border. Now it's Californians primarily moving to Mexico because, well, we'll we'll talk about that more later. A border patrol agent speaking on the grounds of anonymity. Uh, anonymity. trying to stay anonymous, spoke to Town Hall, and that particular agent said that agents use the reins when they're on horseback for a variety of different reasons, and that primarily it's used to steer the horse. But agents will also spin them sometimes to deter people from getting too close to the horse. He said at that point that We're not aware of anyone being struck with the reins. So the part that would have been criminal, it's cleared. It's done. It's it's not an issue anymore, right? We don't have to worry about what happens at that point. But you see, the Biden administration can't leave it alone. They can't let it go. It has to be addressed. Number one, because he's got to find something he can actually follow through on as far as an assertion to the American people. Even if the American people, uh, for the most part, would rather him not do this because most of us would rather them actually get control of our southern border. Not punish law enforcement officers of any kind if they haven't done anything wrong. I would love to know exactly what administrative issues they're going to allege these folks have done. But make no mistake about it. Whatever punishment comes, it's going to be far too severe for what actually happened because at the end of the day, nothing should be happening. There should be no discipline against these Border Patrol agents. They did nothing wrong. I can't say that enough. I could sit here and just repeat that for the rest of the show, and I still would not have said it enough. Now, you're going to get really tired of me saying it, so I'm not going to do that. But it still wouldn't be enough if I did. 
It's outrageous to think that this is where we're at now. Yay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, the United States of America under the Joe Biden administration where we've got a bunch of weirdos who are too stupid to know what what their job is, what their role is. We got Joe Biden out there trying to tell America that uh, the economy is the strongest it's ever been. We have the fastest growing economy in the world, you know, except for those 50 other countries that actually outpaced us. We came in 51st in growth. Don't think that's number one, Joe. Uh, now, now, to be fair, maybe maybe the paper was situated kind of funny, and, and maybe the list was broken up into 50s, and they just handed him the second page, and there was another piece of paper covering it. So instead of 51st, it just looked like one, and so he ran with that. Maybe that's, this is me desperately trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But then the other things that he was out here saying the last few days, saying that Americans have more savings than ever, that Americans have the least amount of debt in history. These are blatant lies, and for the life of me, I still – I don't know if he's just lying or if he really just doesn't know. And his handlers, his advisors, his – I don't know, his case managers, maybe they're the ones lying to him. Maybe he honestly thinks this is true, but you know, part of me kind of doubts it. I, I don't know how far out of touch you would have to be. To not understand what this is. Since the pandemic lockdowns, our economy has been heading headlong into the worst recession in our history. We're not there yet, but if they don't do something to reverse course, that's where we're going to end up at. The feds are starting to do panic moves because they're starting to realize, oh, no, this is even worse than – it's not just worse than we're willing to admit. Now it's actually worse than we actually thought it was. Because make no mistake, they knew from the beginning that this was bad. You can't do the things that we've been doing since the end of the Trump administration with all this governmental spending involving COVID shutdowns and not have bad economic results. Joe was given some talking points and he runs with them. He'd like to believe them. Oh, we created so many jobs. Again, Joe, no, you haven't created any jobs. You've allowed some of the pre-pandemic jobs to come back. And if you take a long, hard look at the number of jobs that were shut down compared to the ones that have come back, we're still in the negatives. So you haven't created jack, buddy. But to sit there and tell people, oh, Americans have more savings, Americans have been diving into their savings to try to maintain their standard of living since the pandemic lockdowns. Because here's what happened for a while. We got free money. We got free money. Here comes the free money. Not everybody got that, by the way. Not everybody received their pandemic checks. Now, for whatever reason or another, and for the life of me, I don't know why anybody missed out, but I know that some did. I know for a fact because there were folks that listened to the show live when we were uh, broadcasting on BTR and had folks in the chat room. And we had a couple of folks that were very upset. I mean, a couple of them in particular expressed a great deal of anger and upset directed at uh, Donald Trump, blaming him for the fact that somehow he wasn't receiving it. And I, I don't know why he wouldn't qualify. I don't know why he didn't get it, but I know that. 
among those people that that was a still a very rare section of the country. But I know that those two that I I saw personally, they're nowhere near the only ones that fell into that category, whatever it was. But you cannot give the kind of money away that they gave to such a large number of people and expect that to be good for the economy. Then Biden turns around and wants to do more. He takes over. He's going to do more. We're going to keep you. So then there's another round of checks. Stimulus, they call it. And, of course, Biden was already starting his uh, Davos talking points of build back better routine. Say, here's what I want to put in the build back better bill, which was really just a whole bunch of green agenda crap. It's the new green deal with lipstick. Doesn't work out so great, though. A lot of folks, including a senator from West Virginia by the name of Manchin, says, guys, the economy is already wrecked. We can't keep spending money uh, without end and expect good things to happen, so I can't support this. So Joe Manchin gets to play hero for a little bit. Saved, well, prolonged the demise of the republic for there just a little minute. He kept fighting for it, though. He kept whining. He wanted to spend more. He wanted to do the things that would have made things harder. He is personally responsible, even if it is somebody else pulling his strings, for the current situation with fuel and energy prices in this country, which is a big chunk of the inflation we're facing, too. Because what happens uh, – forget about having too many dollars chasing too few goods, which is what created the inflationary conditions in the first place. Uh, the rising prices began even before the inflation did because suddenly the impact of fuel costs was hitting literally everything. If we had that energy policy in place before the pandemic, it would have hit everything a lot harder, a lot faster. Could you imagine how many people would be able to buy anything if they were having to pay five, six, seven dollars a gallon per gas, depending on what part of the country you're in? Uh, California, you guys have it the worst. I mean, the average in California is now creeping close to eight. Not just one random gas station performing price gouging, but the average in the state, thank goodness, the national average in the rest of the country, uh, California included, for the full average, is over $5 a gallon now. And their big talking point is, well, at least it's not like uh, Germany or France. Yeah, but you're following the policies they instituted to put themselves in that situation a while back. So you're trying to catch up pretty quick, Joe. Well, no, it's it's the oil companies that are price gouging, says Joe and his fellow Democrats. Except, no, it's not. Now, it is true that the oil companies, and particularly your retail outlets, your local convenience store where you purchase your fuel, they do tend to raise their prices quickly, and they're slow to lower them back down. But that's because they know that if they're going to restock their supply, they're going to have to pay a higher price for it. And when that volatility is still in play, they don't know how quickly the prices are going to change. They would love to bring it down 
in order to be competitive with the other folks around them. But at the same time, they have to be able to afford to restock. You know, the average convenience store is operating on a margin of three to five cents a gallon. That's what their actual take is. If it wasn't for them having better margins on the things inside the convenience store and most people buying that stuff too – they probably wouldn't be able to stay in business and certainly couldn't uh, stay in business if they know that the price of the fuel that they're having to buy to restock just went up 10 cents per gallon, their cost. But they go ahead and sell you the rest of the oil that they just bought from them previously at the old price because they're going to have to take the money out of what they're making. Again, the, the smaller those margins are, the more you're counting on volume, and the more you're counting on volume on those small margins, the more the increases in prices that you're having to pay to put your stuff out there for the end consumer, the more it's going to affect you. So it's not price gouging. Every time a Democrat says price gouging, you need to gouge them in the eye. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, well, that's just how I feel about it, but honestly, uh, clearly you shouldn't be doing that. That's bad. I, I, that's going to be an audio clip that ends up somewhere where they're, listen to this guy trying to tell people, uh, gouge people in the eye. Uh. <sighs> just, uh, some of these people really do need to just be taken to the side and then just kind of shaken a little. Just grab them around the shoulder and shake, uh, hoping that the wires will start to reconnect, that you might accidentally start getting some of those synapses in the brain to start firing again. I mean, you know, it just it needs to happen. But you shouldn't do it, okay? I'm not encouraging violence. I am not. I'm using dramatic imagery to convey a point. Some would say, to a degree, less than what Chucky e. Schumer did when he was threatening directly Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh when he said that they had unleashed the whirlwind and they won't see it coming. Yeah, you remember that? And that's going to be my defense if anybody shows up and tries to charge me criminally. It's like, uh, I will plead guilty if you can get Chucky e. Schumer standing here on the exact same charge and that he also pleads guilty. And that we both get the same punishment. In that case, it would be the only way we ever get Chuck Schumer uh, held accountable for anything. So, yeah, I would be willing to do that, actually. We get the exact same punishment, and you don't give him any favoritism. He doesn't get to pull any strings, doesn't get out of any of it. Then, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Since I know that's not going to happen, I feel comfortable in just saying, not encouraging violence, guys. Really not. I really, really not, but again, sometimes, goodness gracious. So let's run up the price of gas. Let's run up the price of diesel. Let's run up the price of every single thing you want to buy because that's what happens when diesel goes up. Let's make it even harder because I promised during the campaign to all those lefty folks out there that we were going to do away with the carbon uh, fuel base, carbon based fuel. Going to do away with it. It's not going to happen in the United States anymore. It will be over, even though if it is over, then literally nothing nothing they have to offer as an alternative is ready to go. Nothing. Not a bit of it. Are you really ready to start living without electricity again? I mean, uh, these Democratic senators, uh, 
out there bragging about how they're just driving right by the gas station because she's got an electric car. Well, what are you going to do when you can't charge that car anymore there, man? I mean, seriously, Senator, what are you going to do? Because you need the carbon-based fuel energy to, to at least serve as a backup. When you do have good wind and good solar, uh, you still have to have the backup because it's not reliable. The wind's not always blowing. The sun's not always shining. The economic numbers came out. The American people have been diving into their savings while they've been engaged in the great resignation. So instead of having more savings than ever, uh, generally speaking, Americans currently have less savings than ever. Said that America's got less debt than it's ever had. Well, again, uh, right now, last month, the largest increase of credit card debt in the United States since they've been keeping track of the numbers. So not the least amount of debt in American history, the most amount of debt in American history. But, you know, again, uh, Democrats have a hard time understanding the concept of fiscal responsibility and debt. Uh, they seem to think that they can keep running up a uh, budgetary debt because, well, they can tax us and call that income. At some point, you have to start cluing in, Joe. At some point, you have to start realizing the things you're doing is the primary difference of why things are bad now, but they were good before the lockdowns. By now, you would have – if this wasn't by design, if this wasn't on purpose, if this was a bug and not the feature, they would have accidentally done something right by now. They have not done a single thing right. In fact, half the time, Joe Biden can't even get names right when you turn him loose and start, even when it's correct in the teleprompter. Gave a weird speech to these union bosses where he started whispering, creep, you know, he does that creepy whisper thing sometimes, and then started yelling randomly. Uh, it's... It reminds me of a scene out of the first Austin Powers movie where uh, when you're first thawing out from this uh, freezing process that sometimes you can't control the volume of your voice. Joe Biden must be suffering from that, whatever it may be. And the fact that he was going on about declaring June 15th the Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Uh, dude, if you're not aware of the elder abuse that you're being put through, I don't think you're the person to put out in the front of uh, this discussion. Just randomly saying it. By, by now, accidentally, statistically speaking, there should have been something right by now. Just one thing. So that's why it's really hard to believe for anybody that's actually paying attention. And I don't think I'm just jaded here. But it's getting really hard to believe that it isn't on purpose. It also makes it really hard to believe that you, Joe, are not aware at some level of what the goal is. That you are, in fact, at least spending some of the time willfully lying. But considering that you've been a plagiarist and a liar your entire 50-year political career, not surprising, is it? 
or at least it shouldn't be. What? Some leftists right now saying plagiarism? That's an unsubstantiated claim, and I'm sure some fact checker is going to come out and say missing context. Well, yeah, here's the context that's missing. Joe Biden's been flat out busted for plagiarizing stuff since he was in college. And he never stopped. He's plagiarized speeches. He's plagiarized bills. He's taking credit for things he's had nothing to do with. And he likes to tell these crazy stories because it's campaign storytelling, but it has nothing to do with reality. I mean, again, literally every single individual complaint that these lefties had about Donald Trump, they had to exaggerate most of them to try to turn him into anything. Literally, Joe Biden actually done, has done, has made a career out of doing the very things they accused Trump of, and yet could never seem to prove it, even though they're still trying. Ooh, January 6th, we've got him there. Do you? I mean, I'm pretty sure he used the phrase peacefully protest, and that seems to be the standard, guys. I don't remember Chucky e. Schumer saying, now you've unleashed the whirlwind and we're going to peacefully protest. I keep hearing a lot of office holders talking about how, yes, it is completely appropriate to protest in front of our houses. But is it really? I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys aren't happy about it, especially if the protests get out of hand. But then I guess you don't have to worry about that because the people that are protesting at Chucky e. Schumer's house are typically conservatives, which means it's typically fairly polite and cordial and it gets loud. We're trying to make our point. But we typically tend to stay within the confines of what is legal and lawful, don't we, Chucky? Not the same thing as having an assassin show up at your door and only turn the other direction because a good guy with a gun happened to be there. Thank goodness. No mention, of course, either the fact that there is a major difference, whether you're okay with people protesting at your house or not. And I'm not okay with that. If you want to protest the policies that these people are pushing, then you need to be protesting at the legitimate places, something along the way right before they get to where they conduct their business, at the Capitol, in or around the Capitol, of course. You can't get into it these days. You know, Outside the barbed wire walls and fences that they put up, even though walls don't work, you guys. You need to tear those down. They don't work. And all that armed security needs to be disarmed. And they need to defund all those folks. Obviously, I don't mean any of that. But that's the legitimate places to protest. But they still won't even acknowledge that there is a huge difference between being a part of the judiciary and being part of Congress. See, Congress, you're creating the laws. You should be the one that's attuned to the will of the people. Doesn't always mean that you should follow suit with what the majority is claiming because sometimes the majority is just wrong. That's why we have a constitutionally federated republic so that sometimes the minority that is correct can still win or can at least stop the majority that's wrong. In a lot of ways, that's still winning just by stopping the other side from winning because it'd be bad. But the judiciary is supposed to be insulated from from politics. Not supposed to be part of the world of the political. They pass the law. The judiciary is supposed to look at trying to make sure that people are following that law if it's become the law. Judici- uh, legislative writes the laws. 
the executive executes the laws, the judiciary uh, sees that justice is done in accordance with the laws in balance with the Constitution. Politics should not be – was never meant to be the, – the judiciary system we have does not work if you make it political, if you allow politics to seep in. That's why we have these battles now over who gets to appoint a judge or how many judges we should have. Let's pack the courts because we're not getting our way. Wham, wham, you big crybabies. Going to switch it right back as soon as the other side's in power? Want to do away with the filibuster, but they dang sure like having the filibuster when the Republicans are in charge, don't they? Bunch of two-faced, lying, dog-faced pony soldiers is what they are. At least I've got that on good authority. Just astounding. All right, I've run way too long for this uh, first part of the uh, – and there was something else I was going to touch on in this section too. But uh, I went too far down that rabbit hole. Let's take that late mid-hour break, and uh, when we come back – we will jump in and talk a little bit about AOC's whiny butt. But uh, before that, remember, uh, if these folks weren't trying to do it on purpose, they would at least accidentally get something right every now and then. And the next good example of them getting something wrong is they're going to go after these Border Patrol agents, and they can't pin anything legally on them, so they're going to hit them with administration. Administrative. It's just, uh. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back on the other side of this break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This movement is trying to eradicate the real definition of a man and woman. If society allows them, they will eliminate our families and all righteousness. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Beginning in the 1940s, black Americans for the most part were very moral with a strong belief and faith in God. Despite the onslaught of Democrat racist brutality, blacks were on an upwardly mobile track. Most black Americans and Americans in general learned about and taught their children about right and wrong. They knew what a woman and a man is and how human beings came into existence. Black Americans also understood that to overcome the one-time never-ending torture of Jim Crow, etc., etc., that they could not be the same as those who were committing those evil acts. Today, many black Americans like Shannon Sharp of ESPN whined a high heaven about oppression in America. Mr. Sharp says that they're so concerned about blacks in America and scream about white supremacy. Yet they roll into the black community via the Trojan horse of destruction, attaching the existence of black Americans to the LGBTQ plus movement that is being allowed to destroy the very principles that helped blacks overcome bigotry in the first place. God created both man and woman only. Deal with it. 
I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela, where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks, because not too long ago, they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system. And if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban, to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions. Schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also, yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protections. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy, and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action. And you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns, or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones. All things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to goodgunbadguy.net. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Right here, right 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so much for staying with me through that very break, however late break it was. Uh, I want to take just a minute to remind you that, uh, again, time of the live broadcast, it is Flag Day. But you know, or did you know, that uh, June 14th is also National Bourbon Day? Hey, yeah, no kidding. Uh, so uh, here's the thing. I, I had my birthday on the 13th and had a, a great uh, birthday, one of the better ones I've had in a while, actually. Uh, for everybody that sent me birthday uh, greetings via social media, thank you so much. Uh, if I missed any of you, and I did try to respond to everybody, uh, not everybody's came through the same uh, rate and same time, but uh, I want to thank all of you. And if I missed any of you, it was not intentional, I, I assure you. Uh, thank you so very much. In the meanwhile, uh, here we are on Flag Day, which, you know, I've always thought it was kind of cool that uh, it's Flag Day's right after my birthday. And now it's National Bourbon Day. And uh, in order to truly celebrate National Bourbon Day, then you probably ought to spend a little time, you know, just a little sip, not enough to get inebriated, but uh, sample your favorite bourbon. Uh, and in the purpose uh, of bringing that up is, you know, I always used to be a Jim Bean guy uh, as far as bourbon's concerned. Uh, not a big drinker, uh, barely even a social drinker. Uh, but here, as I'm getting older, I'm finding a greater appreciation for him. And here's the thing. I recently uh, was recommended uh, this new bourbon, relatively new, been around for a couple of years now, my, hard to find in my neck of the woods, but I have found a place that does keep it in stock. Uh, it's called Homegrown Boons Bourbon. Now, uh, I'm going to put a link in the show description, and this link should work regardless because it's a much simpler link, so we should stay live, uh, and uh, it'll take you to the website so you can check out Boons Bourbon for yourself. Uh, of course, it's... Uh, recipe uh, that's been put up primary front guy is the musician tyler boone in case you're familiar with him if not take a minute to look him up on spotify i know most of you guys have a spotify account i kind of listen to his bluesy type music it's uh, a lot of it's pretty cool uh, i'm still uh, getting exposed to tyler's music i thought i would do that but i uh, i ended up liking Boone's Bourbon so much that uh, I bought into the company just a little bit, and there's still an opportunity for you to as well if you're interested to over on Start Engine. But uh, you know the whole point here is <clears throat> it is a really good bourbon. It's very nice, winning a lot of awards, and uh, is worth asking for uh, just to give it a try. I highly recommend it. Now, obviously, since I bought into it, that's me acknowledging that I have a small equity stake in the company. So I stand to benefit financially in the event that you guys try it and love it, which is what I think you'll probably do. I do have to warn you, it is entirely possible that Boone's Bourbon may become your new favorite. All right. With that having been said, let's move forward, shall we? Uh, AOC did this uh, funny little thing. Now, we talked on the last uh, broadcast that we did back on Sunday about how a bipartisan gun grab is still a gun grab. We talked about how there were 10 senators that have, which is enough to overcome the filibuster, by the way, interesting math, how 10 Republican senators had signed on with 10 Democratic senators to create a framework. Now, they built legislation. But uh, even now, I don't think the actual legislation itself is available for us to check out. I kept saying over and over again, reminding you that what we have available is the framework. Uh, 
that the framework is very vague, and it's vague on purpose. And the devil, as with all legislation, is going to be in the details. Of course, it's also going to be in D.C., but that's another story. Mitch McConnell came out, and he's been very vocal that uh, he's okay with the framework. And again, because the framework is so vague, it does kind of read like something that most reasonable people should be okay with. But Mitch McConnell is not exactly the barometer of conservative thought in America. He's the top Republican in the Senate, but he is not the barometer for conservatism. Make no mistakes. One of the uh, parts of this little framework is this enhanced background checks for citizens under the age of 21 and the utilization of juvenile records uh, involving here too. I found it very interesting that uh, AOC kind of came out today and uh, she made it – well, actually not today, on Monday actually. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez suggested on Monday that looking into juvenile criminal background records as part of the background check before a person can purchase a firearm, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that because that could, wait for it, that could be, you know where I'm going, that could be racist. Yeah, Ocasio-Cortez's remarks, of course, came after the 18-year-old Hispanic male Open fire in Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. You know, the kid that killed 19 children along with a couple of adults. Now, her remarks, of course, are in response to this bipartisan group of U.S. senators who released the framework of solutions. I'm using air quotes, which works really well for radio. Framework of solutions. They were going to try to pass this, and it includes the enhanced review process for people under 21. For buyers under 21 years of age, it would require an investigative period to review juvenile and mental health records, including checks with state databases and local law enforcement. Now, I've said from the beginning, even at that moment, that I have mixed feelings on the idea of utilizing – Juvenile records for this purpose. I, I do. I have made now <clears throat> because everything is racist for some people. We have to kind of take the racism accusation with a grain of salt. We know that AOC is one of those people, and by those people, I mean people that sees anything they don't like, and it becomes racist. Sees a lot of things they do like, but think that somehow it also is racist. Everything is racist. I myself, I look at uh, these juvenile criminal background records, and and I'm not a big fan of them being used for anything, especially for gun-grabbing purposes. But generally speaking, I tend to think that these records are sealed for a reason. It's to protect these youths from having a one bad decision where maybe they have learned their lesson from haunting them for the rest of their lives. So if we're going to keep these juvenile records sealed for every other purpose, it doesn't seem like that's something that we could have. But if someone has already shown a tendency towards violence as a child, then maybe they should have to you know, overcome a few more obstacles than the average citizen in order to gain 
legal gun ownership. So like I said even Sunday, I'm willing to hear the arguments for both sides because I, I do have those mixed feelings. But that AOC has absolutely nothing to do with skin tone. To try to make this into a racist thing, it's oxymoronic at best. I mean, realistically, we have seen the advantage in the media and the advantage for the Democratic Party uh, in how guns are used and who's using them on a fairly consistent basis. The most recent uh, side-by-side comparison is to look at this uh, Hispanic man who shot up Robb Elementary School, put him side-by-side with Kyle Rittenhouse. And clearly, it's very telling how they want to um, how they want to push both of these stories as far as their agenda is concerned. See, Kyle Rittenhouse, who just happens to be white, just happens to be Caucasian. I'm sure that's strictly coincidental. See, he he is the problem. He is the racist murderer. People are still calling him murderer, by the way. Kyle Rittenhouse is not a murderer. He committed acts of self-defense. That's not legally murder in this country, which is also why he was found not guilty of murder. And the whole racist bit, I have yet to figure out how you're trying to, to make the case that he's racist considering that all three people he shot were white. But hey, don't let facts get in the way of a good story, right? But in Uvalde, well, the shooter's Hispanic. So there, there it's not the shooter's fault. No, 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 we can't. We can't even talk about that being a possibility. It's, it's not the fact that he has some serious emotional issues. It's not the fact that he grew up in a broken home with no father figure. It's not the fact that his mother has severe drug issues. No, no, none of that is in play. It's the gun's fault, you see. See, the gun did it. The gun was whispering to him at night, saying, hey, let's go shoot some kids. Right? I mean, that's we've all heard our guns. If you're a gun owner, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Put my guns out on the front porch. Must I must have the laziest guns in the country. They didn't shoot not one person. Not, not one. A couple times they came close to missing. Hey, AOC, this isn't about racism. Uh, let's stop pretending like everything is racist. Can we do that? Can we? All right, that's going to have to be it for the first hour. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, stay where you're at. Hour number two starts after this. But if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Tune in tomorrow, wherever you're listening, for hour number two. Uh, Like I said, unless you're listening to the podcast. Otherwise, just stay right where you're at. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky
college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows He couldn't say when He couldn't say how He couldn't say why She was different in his eyes and had a kid The USA is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Tell me where the Constitution went The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border And politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn Right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns All the unions always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've gotta be free Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And, you know, I am mostly peaceful, but, uh, Dad Nabbit, fella can only be so peaceful, right? There are limits to our levels of peace. Lots and lots of limits, and, uh, you know, that's where I find myself a good part of the day. This is, of course, the uh, second hour of a live broadcast that took place on Tuesday. Uh, That, of course, was June the 14th, 2022. Splag Day. It's National Bourbon Day, so check out Homegrown Boone's Bourbon when you get a chance. uh, Link in the show description. Or you can visit uh, tapintothetruth.com and move to the Friends and Sponsors page because uh, they are a friend 
not a sponsor, but they're pretty daggum good bourbon. Uh, anyway, uh, here we are. Uh, back in the first hour today, we talked about AOC's accusation that checking juvenile records for these enhanced background checks for citizens under 21, part of the bipartisan gun-grabbing framework. Uh, AOC suggested that that could be racist, so we talked a little bit about that. We talked a lot about the Biden administration's uh, decision that they were going to be punishing the Border Patrol agents that were on horseback that were accused of whipping Haitian migrants uh, with the reins of the horse where they have been cleared of criminal charges already. But, uh, you know, that's, that's not good enough. The Biden administration needs to make an example. How dare you be a good law enforcement officer and do your job when it comes to stopping people from illegally crossing our border, which that's not the job in the minds of the left. No, the minds of the left is to collect them so they can bring them to a processing center and process them as quickly as possible and then release them into the country's interior. That's their idea of what Border Patrol should be doing. At this point in time, I'm quite certain that Mexico would like it if there was a a stronger border patrol aspect, uh, more border control on our southern border, uh, keeping Americans out of Mexico. I mean, they're okay with the folks that are, you know, stopping in uh, on cruises at Puerto Vallarta. uh, People that are vacationing in Acapulco and all the other. New tourist traps. But you see, there's a new phenomenon going on. You see, Gavin Newsom, current Democratic governor of the state of California, and all of his cronies, you see, they have ruined their state. And inflation is crushing households. Thousands of Californians are reversing the typical pattern, and they're sneaking across the border to Mexico. Okay, well, they're not sneaking across, they're legally moving. But it's still a reversal of the old uh, pattern that we used to see. Many of the uh, many of the folks that are moving across, they count on the fact that their salaries from the United States will enable them to afford uh, much more south of the border. Uh, the U.S. dollar going further there than it does here, and with a lot of these folks that still are working uh, from home. Well, then uh, the border doesn't really mean anything to them. Uh, A uh, real estate agent, uh, Daryl Graham of Baja 123 Real Estate Group, uh, he was talking on uh, CNBC, and he said, quote, I would say at least half are coming down from California. Suddenly the cost of taxes... The crime rates, the politics, all the things that people are unhappy with in California are wanting to come down to Mexico. California continuously ranks high as one of the country's most expensive states to live in, uh, noted by CNBC. The median asking price for a home in California is about $797,000. Only 25% of the state households could afford that in the fourth quarter of 2021. So owning a home, once considered the American dream, nearly impossible in the state. Monthly rent in Mexico can average as little as $430 a month. 
while rents can average as high as 1500 north of the border, just in San Diego. In 2021, 280,000 more people moved out of California than moved into the Golden State. Certain neighborhoods are now becoming too expensive for Mexican citizens to live in because most of the time people that are actually buying the property uh, developments are being able to do so because they're either uh, making money in the United States or paying in U.S. dollars or because they're working remotely and earning U.S. dollars. Recent polls by researchers at UC Berkeley uh, conducted back in 2019 and USC San Diego conducted in 2021 indicate that half of Californians, half of Californians, have considered moving out of state. Kenneth P. Miller, author of Texas versus California, a history of their struggle for the future of America, wrote all the way back in March saying, Although California is a natural paradise, it also is plagued by various forms of social disorder, including, in many places, crime, vandalism, and scandalous levels of homelessness. Others complain about the state's political draft. Uh, he, of course, was not complaining about it because he's a lefty. But, uh, yeah, it's that political draft, as he calls it, that uh, has all these policies in place It's turning a natural paradise into a bit of a crap hole. It's a place where diseases that had been eliminated from the United States are making a strong comeback. Anyway, in April, the Orange County Register even ran a piece titled Leaving California, a 2022 guide to what state is best to move to. The Orange County Register. Now, one native Californian who moved to Nashville, Tennessee, told the New York Post, quote, finding a house was more difficult than anticipated, but we are extremely happy with where we live. We love our lefty traditional community where the houses are spread out and private. We love our leafy traditional community where our houses are spread out and private. It's family-friendly. I wanted to settle down with my family in a traditional, safe, suburban community. In California, the American dream felt increasingly unattainable. This is how bad Gavin Newsom has messed things up. Now, I would love to get some more feedback from uh, Californians in the audience. And again, I know there's a lot of you that listen to the show, and there's even more of you that engage with me on social media. Although, strangely enough, most of the Californians that engage with me on social media are either over at Facebook, safe place for us old fogies now, since all the young kids have moved on to someplace else, or on um, Gab. Haven't gotten a lot of interaction on True Social from Californians, not over on Parlor. Not in Cloud Hub. In fact, uh, Gitter, I'd say about half of the folks I'm interacting with are uh, either from Hong Kong or from uh, Taiwan. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, American interaction, uh, but uh, there's some. And actually, you know what? That gives me a, a little uh, little intro. I want to re 
invite everyone to please come over and join me at locals.com. Uh, look for the Tap into the Truth community and sign up for free. Become a member of the Tap into the Truth uh, community. Doing so will give you a double chance, by the way, of uh, winning the drawing for the upcoming release of A.J. Rice's new book, The Woking Dead. That, of course, is still coming out at the end of July, and we'll be doing the drawing in August. So you get bonus chances if you go sign up at Tap into the Truth Community at Locals.com. Spelled just like you think, Locals, L-O-C, you know, Locals.com. So uh, just head on over, sign up. But this is how good of a job that they have done. And all you Californians, I want to invite you, please tell me more, because I had some interaction on the question. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of folks that are still planning on staying and fighting and trying to save the country. And there needs to be a certain amount of that. But part of me thinks that it might be too late for that. Part of me thinks that the only way to win the fight now is to just get out of Dodge and let the state collapse, the government collapse. I mean, the state has so many natural resources. Somebody's going to come in and things will be okay. But let the state collapse. Let all of those lefties that think they know so much more than the rest of you, think they know how you should be living your life, let them see how the continued progression of their ideas plays out. Let them get that feel for themselves. In the meanwhile, you know, don't stay and suffer. Come be a political refugee. Join us in Tennessee. Slide on over to Texas. Uh, head on down to Florida. There's a ton of great places where you as a conservative will be warmly embraced and welcomed. Lots of places. And here's the thing. You go to some of these places, you just may not want to go back. I'm not saying leave forever. I'm saying let them see what it's really like and then go back and save the state. You know, after it's completely collapsed, we'll get a return. Once they realize what happened. But you see, I, I have that feeling. I want the left to have to explain how, with no Republicans present, with no conservatives present, how it is that all, everything they keep blaming on conservatives just keeps getting worse and worse when there are none. I mean, I don't care how thick you may be. It's really going to be hard for you to keep thinking that I can blame the Republicans for this. I can blame conservatives for this when there aren't any present at all, which actually should be a pretty solid legitimate argument already in some of these uh, leftist strongholds where there hasn't been a legitimate uh, conservative office holder in decades and I, a century in some places at this point. Of course, what will happen eventually if you let them have that stranglehold long enough and then eventually common sense will take root, you'll see what happens like here in Tennessee. In Tennessee, for nearly 100 years, the state legislature was controlled by Democrats. And then finally, the... Blinds were removed from the eyes of Tennesseans, and they realized that uh, all the pretty words that came from the Democrats were all just that, and that conservatism actually offered a, a much better route to success. But Gavin Newsom and company literally has Californians moving in large numbers to Mexico. Mexico. And again, why not? 
if you're going to go to some of these new developments where they're gated communities, ooh, the walls, the walls, they keep telling me walls don't work, but it seems like maybe they do. Gated communities with extra security, oh, security, good guys with guns, where all the cartel action is limited at best, where it's relatively safe, where you can continue to work through your telecommuting uh, process, make an American salary in U.S. dollars, which goes much, much further in the, the south of the border regions. Why not? Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I mean, things are pretty cool here in Tennessee, so I don't have to entertain the thought. But if I was in California, seeing how the state government runs things, I got to tell you, it would be tempting. If I had lived in California, I probably would have already moved out by now, though. At least in Nevada, at, at the very least, I'd go to a nice purple state. It's just, it's mind-boggling. That's, that's literally where we're at. Californians moving to Mexico. So, hey, you know, Gavin, good job, yo. Good job. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. So I guess I will move along and change topics, although uh, I hate changing topics at this point in the game. Because it means I'm going to struggle to to get that mid-hour break in. And it's not like I don't already struggle. But, uh, you know, here here we go. We'll add in a bonus story I wasn't planning on talking about. Even though I'd kind of thought about touching on this Sunday. Uh, he's, this guy's been out doubling down. But we're talking about Jamal Bowman. He's a congressman from uh, New York. He's a Democrat, of course. Now, he's predicted what the effects were going to be if Republicans win control of Congress in November, you know, that red tsunami that seems like it's on its way. Now, I'm not counting my chickens here. Uh, counting your chickens before they hatch, if you're familiar with the colloquialism, you know it's a bad idea. So I'm not counting my chickens just yet. The Republican Party, as a party, has a miraculous capability of finding ways to lose what should be slam-dunk wins. They are phenomenal at it. So, you know, I, I fingers are crossed, very hopeful, trying to be optimistic, but cautiously so. Of course, what's going to happen to every Democrat is already trying to plant the seeds that if Republicans win in this wave, it means that, oh, the elections weren't fair. The elections weren't true. And uh, let me try to scare you with everything we've got to throw out at you because, you know, uh, they're going to make abortions illegal everywhere. If it was up to conservatives, it probably would be. If it's up to conservatives, they give you a lot more leeway than I would. So be glad I'm not your benevolent dictator because I'd be saying uh, we're going to stop murdering preborn humans. You know, if you don't want to have a baby right now, don't do the things that leads to having a baby. Be responsible. That's all I'm saying. So, you know, be glad I'm not the, the ruler of the United States because uh, some of y'all wouldn't hack it. Anyway, Jamal Bowman, he was predicting all these various things, everything from uh, violence to civil war as possible. Which I think if there's enough violence to the point that you get the conservatives being violent back, 
with no Democrats in charge to conduct witch hunts, well, then I think it might get kind of scary for those of you on the left who thinks that you're going to be able to pull off violence and not pay a price, which is exactly where they've been for the last little bit. I mean, the George Floyd riots taught Antifa and BLM rioters, folks that were pushing BLM Incorporated, taught them that, hey, not only are we barely get a slap on the wrist, but the vice president of the United States is going to help bail us out of jail. How cool is that? I get to be an activist. I get to burn stuff down, and I get bailed out and maybe even get to meet Kamala Harris, Miss Operation Knee Pads herself. I mean, I get a real kick out of how some of these leftists keep making all these wild and crazy allegations and making these ridiculous statements when everything they claim about the right is really what they feel and what they would want to do. It's it's astounding to me. We see it all the time. But during this uh, past weekend, an appearance on MSNBC, Congressman Bowman visiting the Cross Connection argued that Republicans would likely impeach Joe Biden, as soon as possible, if they gain control of Congress. Well, why not? I mean, let us not forget that that is pretty much the new standard that you guys set during the Trump administration. But we're going to impeach you. Well, we didn't get the impeachment done. We didn't get the results we wanted in the Senate. We're going to impeach you again. And we're going to try to impeach you once you're out of office. And we're going to try to impeach you yet again before you throw your hat in the ring to run again uh, in the form of the January 6th committee. Yes, political theatrics, not of any real substance. Yeah, they're going to try and impeach Joe. Yeah, I I don't know that Joe's going to make it long enough to get impeached, quite honestly. But yeah, let's impeach him. I think it's a lot harder for Kamala to try to do all the things that they're having Joe do right now because Kamala, she at least appears to be relatively coherent. Now, every time she tries to give a speech, she sounds like she's talking to a class of kindergartners. But she is smart enough to know that she would be held accountable, whereas right now they like pushing all this crazy leftist uh, agenda stuff under Joe because they believe – and in the end, they're going to have some level of plausible deniability, and they'll just say that, well, you know, we really didn't realize how Joe, how bad Joe really was, but clearly it wasn't Joe's fault. It was his condition. So you can't hold him accountable, and you certainly can't hold anybody else accountable that was, you know, supposedly trying to keep Joe on track. Strangely enough, that's something that actually happened. Advisors were able to guide Donald Trump in the previous administration. Several of them complained because it wasn't as easy. He wasn't just a sheep. He didn't just take whatever advice that was offered, especially if it was fundamentally disagreeing with his overall philosophy. But if he said something that was totally, completely unconstitutional— uh, somebody would say, well, you really can't do that because uh, the Constitution right here says you can't. And then he's like, okay. He didn't try to push it anymore after that. He was just, uh, why don't we try this? Can't do it. Constitution. Okay, good enough. What about this? Can't do it. It's against the law. This law was passed at this point in time. Um, 
hasn't been overturned yet. It is just a law. Should we try to overturn it? Should we try to push it? Yeah, probably not. This is a pretty good law. Okay, well, then never mind it. Well, what about this? Well, that that maybe we could do. That was the way, uh, of course, that's a, <laughs> a not-so-dramatic dramatization, and I'm sure uh, very, very, uh, <laughs> uh, very much uh, a Trump-friendly version compared to what it actually was like, I'm sure, but you get the point. Uh, Donald Trump wasn't a pushover, but he did listen to his advisors. I don't know that uh, Joe Biden has the, gets to talk back to them. Uh, there was this big thing just last week where they leaked the information that he had a blowout with the people in the White House that were supposed to work for him, and they treat like he's just some kind of front man for them. Uh, try to remind them who the president was. Uh, sorry, Joe, that's not actually you. I mean, in name only. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., president in name only. Anyway, back to this point. Tiffany Cross, who happens to be the host of that particular show, she started out by asking whether or not Bowman believed it was possible for Republicans to gain control of the House in November. And if they did, what would happen to the Democrat-driven January 6th committee and Anything it uncovered in the ongoing hearings, well, uh, first of all, I can tell you the only thing they're going to uncover is the fact that there are a bunch of dunderheads doing the dumbest crap they can think of because they're desperate to try to make the American people forget about how bad the economy is hurting them personally. It's not a good look. It didn't work the first two times you tried to impeach him. I don't know what you're thinking now. Anyway... Quoting across asks, and what might the GOP do or not do with their newly claimed power? <laughs> All right, so uh, what does Congressman Bowman say? Well, he said that, uh, so the January 6th commission would cease to exist. That actually would be appropriate. So, yeah, I certainly hope so. I, Sadly, I think way too many of these people with an R at the end of their name are far too spineless to just up and say, this was a political farce from the beginning, and now it's over. I wish they would. It's what they should. But is it what they will do? I don't know. I would definitely like it. Like I said, it's what they should do. Anyway, he continued by saying, the findings would be completely suppressed and will not be admitted into any further investigations while the GOP will be in power. Now, see, here's the thing. Whatever they actually do find, that's going to be suppressed. It's already been suppressed because the findings of an actual investigation leads to questions regarding Nancy Pelosi and the failure to have additional security on premises, the failure to allow the Pentagon to call up National Guard troops to add extra security. No, no, we got it. The kind of things that have led to, to fueling conspiracy theories that maybe this was the Democratic plan all along, that the riot that took place was never even Trump supporters to begin with, but all a stage set up by the deep state in an effort to pull off a a coup of their own. 
I mean, there's plenty of good reasons to believe that something awful suspicious took place. From the media's willingness to lie about police officers being killed on the scene, uh, all the way up to the fact that there was only one person who actually died as a direct result. That was one of the trespassers, an Air Force Army veteran by the name of Ashley Babbitt. But you see, the predictions didn't end there. See, when it comes down to it, the Democrats would be much better off if whatever has been discovered was whooshed away. But because it will be just over, it's going to be real easy for Democrats to claim they're suppressing it because there's nothing to actually show you. So they can sit back and say whatever they want to. Harry Reid mastered this trick when he accused Mitt Romney of cheating on his taxes. He knew by the time Mitt Romney could prove he didn't cheat on his taxes, the election was already over. Asked point blank why he would lie about his esteemed colleague. His response was it worked, didn't it? Now, we don't know how many people decided not to vote for Mitt Romney because Harry Reid lied about his tax status. But Harry Reid sure liked thinking that he had impacted it enough. He was okay because, again, for the left, the ends, it justifies the means. It doesn't matter how down and dirty, how disrespectful, how unlawful, how immoral you have to be. They're all about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. He continued with his little procrastination, making his look into the future by saying that they, that of course being the GOP, would impeach President Biden as quickly as possible, and they will continue to find ways to impeach him going forward. Oh, so you're saying that now, since somebody else has set the stage, since somebody else has set the precedent of multiple impeachments, that that might continue to happen? Uh, what makes you think they wouldn't be successful of the first time? Because it's not like Joe Biden hasn't showed his mental instability. It's not like Joe Biden hasn't lied time and time and time yet again to the American people. I'm pretty sure that when whatever comes down regarding Hunter gets all aired out, that there's going to be plenty of questions that will need to be answered by Joe and Joe's brother. Not to mention just what Hunter's done. Uh, we got this leaked audio now where Hunter was telling people that Joe would talk about and support whatever position he told him to support. For the right price, of course. Of course, he didn't say that part. That's implied. It's the part you have to read between the lines, as they used to say. But yeah, they're going to keep in trying to impeach him, finding ways to continue to impeach him as necessary. He added to his little statement that it would also embolden Republicans and the far right and white nationalists across the country to begin to believe that it is their time to not just take power in the House, but the Senate, the White House, and the state houses across the country. Well, guess what? That's happening, too. Congressman, that is going to it's going to hit states harder than it's going to hit D.C. Too many places where 
you uber lefties have been in charge. You've run the place into the ground, and now everybody's tired of it, and they're ready to let the grown-ups run things again. It's a nice childhood fantasy to believe that utopia can be made to happen with just sunshine and rainbows, but the truth of the matter is carrots are great for the law-abiding, but you got to have a stick to deal with the criminal elements of the community. Don't know why that's so hard to understand. George Soros understands it. That's why he bankrolled so many DAs with what he called criminal justice reform, but really was just, uh, we're going to pretend like crime doesn't exist and see how bad things get and how quickly. And it got pretty bad pretty quickly in a lot of places, didn't it, guys? Oh, did I? Did I do something wrong? Did I mention George Soros? I'm sure I'm being very anti-Semitic right now. At least that's what the leftists keep saying every time we point out that George Soros has ever done a bad thing. Going to think that they're going to embolden white supremacists is what he'd say. Now, Bowman also went on to claim that the Republican Party had essentially been taken over by people who were radicalized and believe things like the Great Replacement myth. Uh, by the way, the actual Great Replacement theory is a leftist theory, and it's something that the Democratic Party has embraced in their political uh, calculus. That's why they were believing that once Barack Obama became president, that Republicans would never win another election. They thought at that point they had reached the tipping point. There were still enough whites to control an election, but there were enough guilty, uh, white guilt-ridden uh, political leaning to the left white people that alongside with everybody else, the Great Replacement had already taken place. I mean, you guys have bought into it way more than anybody that's conservative. But uh, no, the, the party itself has not been taken over by people who've been radicalized. Sounds to me like you have never met an actual, honest-to-goodness conservative that tends to vote Republican. I doubt anybody running in your circles. I doubt that you would even befriend somebody if you who was conservative unless you just – had no idea, found out later, and then it's like, yeah, well, got to end the friendship now. That's the kind of person you are. Basically was saying that such radicalization would necessarily lead to Republicans condoning violence and even worse. I'm sorry, conservatives, and I'm going to say conservatives because I'm a conservative first. I tend to vote Republican just because they're typically closer to what America needs. But I don't have a loyalty to the party. I don't say vote R no matter what. But I certainly have a hard time voting for anybody that sticks a D at the end of their name these days because they're almost all guaranteed to be a little too far to the left for my taste. But for you to say that it would be necessary for the Republican Party to condone violence – I'm sorry. Uh, show me your evidence of this, sir. Show me your evidence. Violence has never been condoned by your average everyday American as long as they are somewhere close to the center. Violence is only condoned by people that are on the extreme fringes and both sides of the political spectrum, the, the very far right and then from about midway too far left. 
because unfortunately leftists are, have a much greater propensity towards violence, much greater propensity towards a lack of self-control, much more likely to have a hissy fit, which is a totally real word. If you're from the part of the country I'm from, you've heard the phrase used often. But uh, this is not a myth, great replacement theory. It's not a myth. It is something that uh, the political globalist leftists have been trying to make a reality for some time. That alone doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing for the United States of America, though, because as we're seeing with uh, a large percentage of Hispanics, they're starting to realize that they have way more in common with their personal beliefs with the conservatives that are here in the United States than they do with these crazy, wild-eyed, lunatic leftists who think it's okay to murder pre-born humans uh, all the way up until after they've been born. They're okay with snuffing out innocent lives who've done nothing yet while uh, trying to protect uh, to who knows how long uh, from the death penalty, uh, people who have committed horrific and heinous crimes, and they want to make it seem like uh, those crimes, well, they're not even really crimes. It's not their fault. They're victims of a system that doesn't, uh, you know, do the things it's supposed to do to protect them. Right. The Republicans will have to condone violence. Of course, that's his way of trying to say, ooh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Orange man's bad. Orange man's bad. And anybody that supported the orange man, they are also bad. He continued by saying, and we got to understand that this is a group that has been radicalized by the great replacement myth and that many other things and have been pushing for violence and pushing for even civil war. So that is what's at stake right now in terms of this election. Now, I've heard people talk about civil war. I have tried to put out a warning that if you continue to treat conservatives, like second-class citizens, that eventually you may push them past the breaking point, and heaven help you if you do. Because it's those people that generally want to be the law-abiding citizen, that generally want to live and let live, that generally want you to go about your business and say, what you're doing is none of my business as long as you don't make it my business. And that's usually where the culture war comes into a clash to begin with because folks on the left want to make their business everybody else's business. First, they wanted you to pay for all their contraceptive. Then they wanted you to start paying for same-sex weddings. And then they want you – well, okay, maybe they didn't want you to pay for them, but they sure as heck didn't want you to have the option to not participate See, every time they do something that makes it governmental business, then that makes it the people's business, which in turn then makes it my business and the business of every other citizen. Why'd you do that? 
conservatives would have been perfectly content with letting you face your judgment on your own as long as you don't make it our problem. Period. You would be shocked. I know if you're a leftist right now and you're listening to the sound of my voice, you would be shocked to find out how many people that you right now believe is your enemy, that you believe what to have you taken out back and shot in the head. Do you believe that? You believe that about people like me? You'd be shocked to find out how many folks like me would rather just let you go do your thing. But just let us do our thing. Let us both reap the rewards of a nation that's based on law and a nation that upholds the Constitution. A nation that has a federal government that is strictly constrained by that Constitution and let the decisions that are not part of the federal government's power, let that be hashed out at the state level, at the county level. Let the communities decide for themselves how they want to live. That's the great American experiment. The notion that we can live in a republic that is based on federalism. This idea of a civil war, it's being pushed by the left, not by the right. There may be some extremists that want to talk the deepest, darkest bits of rhetoric. But at the end of the day, most people that are ready for the fight or getting ready for the fight or warning about the coming fight, we're not the ones instigating it. We're the ones sounding the alarm because we see what the left's been trying to do. The left wasn't trying to create uh, freaking foot soldiers. Antifa wouldn't be given uh, a pass every time you turn around. If they weren't trying to create foot soldiers who think they're going to be able to stand up and be a force for real change in this country, they wouldn't have been using governmental pools to bail out George Floyd rioters. Tim, they have a right to protest. Yeah, protest all you freaking want. But once that protest turns into a riot, it's not a protest anymore. It's a criminal action. And once you become a criminal, you should be treated as such. Now, obviously, not all crimes are the same, so not all criminals should be treated the same. But if you're trying to burn down somebody else's property or if you're trying to burn down, I don't know, a federal courthouse or a police precinct – then maybe there should be some consequence other than, uh, all right, well, we're going to process you, and then we're just going to let you go. Everything's dismissed. Have a good day. That's not going to be very deterring. So don't be surprised if a group of people that actually believes in the Constitution shows up at the uh, Capitol building one day, let's say January 6th, and they do get a little unruly. Now, there was some very ugly behavior there. There was some very criminal behavior, and those people that committed crimes while doing it should pay the consequences, legitimate, legal consequences. They shouldn't be held indefinitely as political prisoners. That's not acceptable. This guy 
uh, is warning of a possible storm and wants to blame it on the Republicans, just like uh, AOC and several Democrats are trying to blame the Republicans for uh, inflation. Well, if they would get on board with our policies, if they would try to help us move forward, but the things you want to do, AOC, it's only going to make inflation worse. And you may not be smart enough to know that, but the people that are sending you your talking points, they dang well know it. All right, I've done it again, so let's sneak in that mid-hour break a little late once again. And when I come back, we will uh, we will jump into the final story of the day. Uh, stay where you're at. I'll be right back. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, 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 Lots of around the world to ease my trouble. Now I'm thanking you. No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. A man is fighting for his life after being stabbed inside an L.A. fitness gym locker room in suburban Chicago. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. According to Naperville, Illinois police, the stabbing victim confronted a black man who looked to be in his 50s for rifling through his belongings in the locker room. Then the ransacking individual suddenly stabbed the man who was approaching him for bothering with his personal belongings. The knife-wielding stabber eluded police and is yet to be apprehended. He's described as a black man in his 50s with a dark complexion, about 6 feet tall, and about 175 pounds. I highlighted this story to help leftist government officials who wish to use the horrific increase in criminal activities as an excuse to go after the guns of us law-abiding sovereign Americans. I wonder why the elitists aren't trying to ban knives and blunt objects in London, England, where British subjects are stabbed and beaten with increasing regularity. The problem is not guns, knives, or blunt objects, but rather a latter-day refusal to pass down good moral principles, a rejection of God in our Bill of Rights, which, of course, is by demonic design. This final thought, how about restoring real justice for those seeking to kill, steal, and destroy? I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. We often find ourselves arguing statistics with anti-gun people, but let's put the conversation into perspective. I'll give you some stats, but also expose the anti-gun left's real motives for gun control. First of all, don't you think that anyone who really wants to save lives would focus their attention on an area where the most lives are lost? The gun grabbers like to use the number of 30 to 40,000 gun-related deaths per year. But if we take out suicides which are 60% of those gun-related deaths, which, by the way, are not reduced by the absence of guns, and we take out law enforcement-related deaths, in other words, good guys killing bad guys, we're left with about 14,880 gun-related homicides. But here's where it gets interesting. The majority of those gun-related homicides are gang-related. So let's say we didn't have the gang problem we have in this country. 
the number of gun-related homicides shrinks to 2,976 per year in America. Now, here's another interesting fact that the anti-gun left doesn't want you to know. The majority of gang-related violence occurs in Democrat-run cities across this country that are highly gun-restricted, by the way, and often allow violent illegals safe harbor. What that means is good people living within those cities are denied their right to protect themselves against the human violence that Democrats encourage with their bad policies. Now let's compare that to some other things that the anti-gun left could be working on if they really wanted to save lives. Drunk driving takes almost 11,000 lives per year in America. 47,000 lives are lost per year in America due to suicide, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia being two of the leading causes of suicide, not guns. But one of the biggest causes of preventable deaths in America is abortion. Almost 330,000 lives are taken per year in America by people committing abortion. Now let me give you a piece of information that the anti-self-defense crowd doesn't want you to know. How many lives do you think are saved every year because of guns? The answer is two and a half million. Every year in America, two and a half million lives are potentially saved by the use of firearms. Now this doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. And 46% of those lives saved are women. This is a study that was done by Gary Kleck, a Florida criminologist, and backed by data from the CDC. So why do you think the gun grabbers never share this information? Well, some would argue that they don't really care about saving lives as much as they care about disarming their fellow citizens and preventing them from independently protecting themselves and their families. Gun control is a top-down method that puts government in charge of the lives and safety of people under the guise of public safety. It's the first step in stealing the freedom our founders fought for. The anti-left has already decided that they are willing to give up their freedom to government. The problem is they can't have their government-controlled utopian society unless you get on board. And real Americans are clearly not getting on board. Gun control is a way of forcing you into dependence, whether you like it or not. Now, we're never going to cure the evil in the hearts of killers, but we can stop them. So, to the gun grabbers, do you really want to save lives? Then get to work on the real causes of human violence and help us restore our gun rights so good people can protect themselves. Help us save lives rather than ending them before they get a chance to take their first breath. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Yes, indeed, it has all been done before. But you know what uh, 
Sometimes some things are worth doing again. And uh, something that Built Bar is doing again is they have brought back their summer bundle. Okay, so go into the, the show description if you're listening to the podcast somewhere. Copy the entire link. Copy the whole thing, not just the part that may look live because here's the problem. For whatever reason, and I don't understand it, but from different platforms, part of the link will be live, but not the whole thing will be. And if you click the part that's not live, it's not going to take you to the right place. Or if it does take you to the right place, it's not going to give me credit for you having been there. So, you know, just... A small ask. Copy the whole link should end in an equal sign when it comes to the one for Built Bar. Uh, the whole thing, put it in your web browser, paste it there, go visit, and check out everything, all the different savings site-wide that Built Bar is offering right now. And remember, the, the protein bars are the big draw. They got great flavors. They're rotating uh, flavors. Right now, their uh, salted caramel and their uh, coconut almond are just blowing and going. Uh, they're selling enough that it's hard to keep them in stock. But the uh, the summer bundle is really the big sale going on right now because you get a chance to get a 12-pack of various flavors. Maybe you're like me and you have uh, so many of them that you like that you, you can't just pick one. Or maybe you haven't tried them before and you'd like to get a sample pack to decide which one is your favorite. Uh, those are really the way to go. So check it out, Built Bar. Follow the link in the show description or come visit me at Tap Into the Truth a little later, especially if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio. If you don't have that link in front of you, just visit Tap Into the Truth. When, as soon as you land on the homepage, scroll down past recent guests. And uh, from there, uh, you'll see banners. Just click any of the banners for Built Bar. It will take you to their site. You'll still be able to check everything. I think I'm probably in an effort to get everybody to copy and paste rather than take the shortcut of just trying to click on it is put a separation in the link so that it won't be live at all anywhere and that you will have to copy it and paste it. And once you paste it, you'll have to kind of put it back together thinking about doing that because I'm still getting a lot of people that are clicking this and not getting it where it needs to be. Uh, so anyway, a uh, quick reminder also, uh, A.J. Rice's book, The Woking Dead, will be out at the end of July, and we still have a, a lot of uh, realistic opportunity for you guys, listeners of this show, to win a free copy. Uh, right now, the big push, go visit me over at locals.com. Sign up to become part of the Tap into the Truth community, and you will get bonus chances to win a free copy of AJ's book. Be sure when you get to be part of the community, post introducing yourself, including where you listen to the show at, because that's still going to be vital. It'll make sure that you get adequate number of chances in the drawing. All right. Now, I've given myself almost no time at all uh, left to go over to this last story, but I definitely want to get into it a little bit, and we'll probably uh, have to revisit it. Something tells me this story is not going away anytime soon anyway. But right now, we are looking at uh, a time where the economy is already going pretty far south. But young investors, well, they're behind on their retirement savings at this point as uh, the economic fallout continues from the COVID-19 lockdowns and all the uh, induced recession. 
the most recent state of retirement planning study from financial service company Fidelity shows that the turmoil of the past two years has disrupted many Americans' savings behavior, particularly investments, more so than just savings. Overall, one in four respondents are now less confident than they were before the events of the past two years, even though 79% are still confident that they can retire when and how they want. I think that's being pretty optimistic unless you already had most of your retirement savings set aside and now you put everything into fairly safe, very conservative investments. However, 55% of next gen, which the study defines as Americans between the ages of 18 and 35, well, they said that uh, they placed the retirement plans on hold during COVID-19 and 45% do not quote, see a point in saving until things return to normal. Therefore, 39% plan to retire later due to the inaction. The others aren't planning at all. Uh, Indeed, stock market conditions are far from normal, and they are much worse than expected. And when the worse-than-expected inflation news triggers a fresh round of sell-offs, that just makes things even scarier to the folks who don't understand how the market works. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell nearly 3%, and the S&P 500 fell about 4%, while the NASDAQ fell nearly 4% uh, back on Monday, all by alone, to one day, single day. Monday of this last week, the Dow fell 2.7%, the S&P 2.9%, and the NASDAQ fell 3.5%. point is, all the markets are going in the wrong direction. Apart from the stock market, real estate, another mechanism Americans use to store wealth, well, that remains expensive, especially for the first-time buyers. Between a quarter of two, between quarter two of 2020 and quarter one of 2022, the medium home sales price has increased from 322000 to 428000 That's a 33% increase according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, what does all this mean? It means it's a hard time to save. It's a hard time to invest. But it's a good time if you want to get uh, those safe stocks that have been overvalued for a while, that have been too hot. Uh, they're on sale right now. But you have to have the funds available to take advantage of it. That's why the rich always get richer during a bear market. And uh, those of us who are not rich, uh, we just tend to hang on for our lives. And what scares me is here we are with a lot of young people not even planning on trying to do retirement. That's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with me through everything. As always, I greatly appreciate it, and I would like to remind you, please, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, one last message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., and then I am out. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon.